Welcome to the Jeff and Jamie Show, powered by Streaking. Today we've got three interesting topics that I'm going to spring on Jamie. First, a Disney princess study that's uh, been done a couple of different times. What that means. Yeah. Your child's first smartphone. Oh, good. And how your body tells your sleeping quality is poor. Okay, great. I'll I'll perk up and not be tired. <laughs> I was thinking about actually that. Let's just start with that one for just a second. I was thinking about it because you and I have said so many times how we feel so tired during the day and everything else. And I was thinking, well, is it just because I'm not sleeping well? And then I thought, does it? Is anyone and, sleep and, well that have children? <laughs> yes, or stress <laughs> in life, or a job. Or not a job, or good grief. There's a million reasons why we don't sleep well. So we'll come back to those other two articles. But let's do start with this one because it's kind of interesting. As it starts, it's how your body tells you that your sleep quality is poor. Okay. All right. So as you look at this, um, it talks about experts typically recommend between seven and nine hours of sleep. When's the last time you got seven hours of uninterrupted sleep or even nine hours of uninterrupted sleep? Even nine hours. I don't even remember the last time I got nine hours of sleep. Yeah. I don't even remember. I don't remember that. So where do, where, who are these experts? Do they live in a cave somewhere? They're the ones that are getting nine hours of sleep. I mean, seriously, how, how do you think you can I get think nine they hours do. of sleep? What do you think? I do think that, so I would like to focus a little bit on the first part of that, of how to listen to your body. Okay. Because I do agree that people's bodies are different. And and I think we need to be really careful about sleep shaming. Um, <laughs> as someone who is less of a morning person, <laughs> having see, been married to someone who's very much a morning person. You said that. Sleep shaming. <laughs> Because, you know, not everybody can survive on six hours of sleep, but I guess some people can. But so I guess what I my point was is that I do appreciate that it started out by listening to your body. I do think that we each need to seriously listen to our bodies and what our bodies are telling us. Yeah. Well, and so and you bring up a good point. I mean, as far as the rhythm or what is it, the chronometer that you have, I was doing a masterclass by Matthew Brown, who's a sleep expert. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about when you are naturally awake just, and when you're just not. Just real quick. I, I wonder how that goes over at parties and stuff. So what do you do for a living? I'm a sleep expert. <laughs> I can only imagine the jokes that get cracked about that. Oh, so you sleep for a living? What, you watch other people sleep for a living? Yes, and I'm You're healthy. either weird or a creeper or... Yeah, I'm a sleep expert. I'm a sleep expert. But you did listen and to that know, masterclass. I it did. was quite... He was very fascinating, it actually. Was, it was very interesting. And he is world-renowned for the book that he wrote. He really else. is, yeah. So, he is a sleep expert, you for know real. What? I'll bet you if he goes to parties, people actually sit down and listen to him. Yeah, they probably do. Because I want to know. Because we're all interested in, I mean, that's what drew you to the masterclass and to these articles is, okay, how can I get better sleep? Right. How can I get better sleep? So you don't want to, and here's what really drew me to it. You ready? Uh, seven to nine hours is what it says, but it dependent dependent on age and lifestyle, and it is also to be wait for it da 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 keep a consistent sleep schedule to avoid sleep troubles. It's like your favorite word, consistent. A consistent sleep schedule. There is something avoid about troubles. consistency that just permeates all of life. Why does why does the idea of keeping a consistent sleep schedule seem daunting? I think because as well, I don't know. As far as as I look at it, as far as keeping a consistent sleep schedule, for me, when I was traveling a lot, so before COVID, I I did not keep a consistent sleep schedule at all. In fact, when we so many years ago, 
uh, you know, five, six years ago, the reason we moved from Denver to Georgia or from Denver to Georgia. This, yeah, that's the, right. Colorado to well, Georgia. That's why I was, I was Denver going to Atlanta city or to Colorado state. to Georgia. Yeah, whichever was Denver to Atlanta or Colorado to Georgia. The reason we moved there is because I was traveling all the time to the East Coast mm-hmm. and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And so we had a conversation. We said, look, either I find a new job or... We look at moving someplace at that moving makes this easier on yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And we both decide. I remember the first conversation we had on that is you're like, well, find a new job. <laughs> and you're like, I think we should move. <laughs> and we had a long conversation about that and we ended up moving. Mm-hmm. But what happened though is, so I start. I kept on traveling and when traveling, if you, and I, my travels were a different city every single night. So I'd meet with a client and from that client, travel to the next city, travel to the next city. So my sleep was awful. I mean, I yeah. didn't, if I got sleep, it was probably four hours, if that. Of was sleep. that pretty consistent? Pretty consistent. And what I mean by that is four good hours. Okay. So I would have enough time to get seven to nine hours. It wasn't like I was being, you know, but new place. Yeah. Different bed. Stress that you're not going to wake up. Stress that I'm not going to wake up. All of those all different those things. things weighed on me. Mm-hmm. And therefore, this idea of a consistent sleep schedule. So now fast forward to COVID and all travel stops. And you know what? I did feel like when I was able to get consistent sleep, that felt much, much better. I felt a lot better. I don't know why that's better, but it is. Our bodies just need, I guess the, the, the idea of a routine that your body can count on and that you aren't depleting it so much and then kind of this deplete it and then try to catch up thing that doesn't seem to work very well. I think so. Cause you love sleep. I do love sleeping. It's one of my favorite things. In fact, I was thinking the other day, I have this one time that I had a perfect nap that I still remember. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and what, what, well, don't leave us there. It was, <laughs> was while we were, nap? Yeah. it was while we were on vacation and we were camping near a lake and we were sleeping in a tent, which is kind of funny, but it was the afternoon and, and I had brought these foam pads for us to sleep on and had made it kind of a bed. And the tent was just the right perfect temperature. And I could hear people um, playing outside, but everyone, we were by a lake and everyone was happy. Not right by the lake, but you know, right, we were camping by enough. the lake and all the right. people were vacationing and happy and kids were kind of being cheerful. And so the, the temperature of the tent was exactly perfect. And the way that the sun makes a pillow smell is one of my favorite things in the world. And I just remember being like, and and it was the middle of the afternoon on vacation with no responsibility outside in a tent with the smell of the sun on my pillow. It just was perfect to me. And how long did you sleep? Do you remember? I don't even remember. I just remember laying down and being like, this is my perfect nap. Am I in heaven? (laughs) That's it. You know, it's, it's my happy place. It was your happy place. I think... Our audience right now wants to go and take a nap in a tent in a perfect place. I mean, just, it was just or maybe some thing. people are like, that is not the perfect nap. But for me, it was great. I loved it. It was wonderful. So the thing that, so so here's how to improve sleep quality. So they give a, you know, this, and by the way, this is an article out of Well and Good, uh, written by Isidore Baum. And they, and writing this article, you know, they talk about the most common signs of poor sleep quality, which you could probably guess what they are. Uh, being grumpy. Yes. That'd be irritable, irritable, grumpy, grumpy, tired all the time. Tired, exhausted during the day. Yeah. Not paying attention. One that you might not know, you fall asleep too fast. Oh, really? See, I love falling asleep fast. You do fall asleep fast. (laughs) I do. 
And that's that's not a good thing. How Are come you, that's not a good thing? It's uh, it just says that basically you skip by some of the stages of sleep that are necessary for your body to recover. That if you just go straight to a deep sleep, there's some stages of sleep that you don't get. And so... So kind of you've gotten so tired that the minute you stop moving, your body just instantly goes to sleep. And that's, exactly. that's a sign that you're not getting enough sleep. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. I could see that. Can't fall asleep fast enough. We can understand that. Yeah. Right. Wake up often during the night. Mm-hmm. I've often thought that one was because my my uh, mattress wasn't comfortable and therefore I was waking up a lot. But that's not apparently the case because people sleep on the ground and all kinds of different places. It's the children. <laughs> it's the children. You're chronically fatigued during the day. Okay. So here's how to improve sleep. So the reason why... So consistency in the first part, consistent sleep schedule... Here is one of the reasons why this um, also interested me. A little while ago, we had a streaker ask us if you could set a streak to go to sleep. Right, to go to sleep at a certain time. At a certain time or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Now, at the time and even now, I don't think that there is necessarily... I I don't think you can make that laughably simple. I think it'd be very difficult. That'd be a very difficult streak to set, don't you think? Yeah, I do think so. A lot of dependencies... And a lot of, I mean, not something that you have a large or enough control over what's happening to be able to keep that streak. Right. Exactly. So with the sleep then, how to improve sleep quality. Now listen to this and think, can you make a streak out of any one of these? Okay. Okay. Here, here they are. Try doing some physical activity during the day. Yeah. You can totally make a streak out of that. Practice relaxation. That would be totally... Uh, uh, yeah, you could make a great streak out of practicing re- relaxation. Finding good strategies to deal with stress and emotions, reducing alcohol and caffeine intake, um, and not too close to bedtime. Let's see here. Going outside during the day is helpful, as light is important to is helpful to your circadian rhythm and helps trigger the sleep wake cycle. Take lunch outdoors or Hold go on, for I a walk. Hold on, I want to go back to the go outside one. Yeah, go for so it. So I I like that because I was thinking I I've had a couple days in the past that I haven't been feeling very good. And I've noticed that when I go out in the morning on my walk or my run, that I start out feeling really yucky. Mm-hmm. But by the time, just being outside in the fresh air and kind of getting my body going has helped me to feel better. Has it really? Yeah. Because I know you've been struggling quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. I, have, I, I mean, there's, you've just so not been feeling so fantastic. Right. And so, I, and I, I, and the reason I noticed it is because it became a little bit harder to keep that streak that I was just like, I really don't feel good. And it was hard to get myself out there. But then I did notice that I would start to feel better as I got going. And I've had a similar experience. That's that's so doing it in the morning. So if you didn't have your streak, would you have been doing what you're doing? Because no. knowing what you've been feeling the last couple of weeks, you probably would have been like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And that's what I was, that's why I was noticing it is because Part of what was getting me out the door was not wanting to lose that streak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also having had it long enough to recognize the benefits that that what I'm feeling about, uh, I don't want to go, that I can overcome that. Right. That, the, that the walking or the running will help overcome that. And then I was going to say, so that's in the morning to kind of get me going. But I've also had times that the opposite was true at night, like taking a walk in the evening before we go to bed or after dinner just sometime in that time frame, also has the opposite effect of relaxing me, which I find interesting that a morning going outside can invigorate me and an evening going outside can relax me. What, I mean, do you find that interesting? 
You know what? You bring up a good point. I had never actually thought about it before that because in the morning, you know me. I mean, I'd love to get right up in the morning, go out on a run, go out on a walk, whatever it is, and make it happen. And you are right. I mean, when we have gone for a stroll Mm -hmm. in the evening, it has been a little bit more relaxing. So we have been at this streak now, uh, run or walk at least one mile, six days a week Mm -hmm. for 337 weeks. Okay. So that translates into six years, more than six years now. More than six years now. And we've been doing that every single day, except for Sundays. Mm-hmm. So, but for, that's why we call it a weekly streak, is because it's 337 weeks that we've kept it alive of doing at least six days, or at least one mile, six days a, a week. week. Yep. And you know, as you look at that and consider it, there may be some out there who think, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that that's obsessive. I mean, you're not feeling well. You really should you be out there walking? And that's what I guess I love about the laughably simple is that. There's no, I mean, it just gets me out the door. I don't have to push myself yeah. to to accomplish that streak. I just have to get out and be okay mm-hmm. walking and you really, that mile. And, and I agree with you. I mean, it really does help. I mean, it does help. Whenever you and it helped. It. I mean, I've had a couple of things lately. I, I went on a run and I fell on a, on a race <laughs> that we did. And I hurt both my foot and my knee. Yeah. Like I injured myself. And, and, and. It was great though because I genuinely have we believe... told everyone what it was that you did, the Superman dive. I don't know. I did a Superman dive on a 10k right at mile 10 in front Not a of 10K. the. 10k or no, it was a half marathon. There we go. Right at mile 10, a half <laughs> yeah. marathon right at mile 10, literally feet away from the water station. Yes. Not the water stations behind me, but the water stations right in front of me. Where anybody who's run a race knows all the people at the water stations are watching the people And I just coming. have to let you know, I was so proud of her. She took this fall with such dignity. I mean, with the, as much dignity as you can. With as much dignity as you, you can have in, the, in, in, in an adult in a, fall in that's an adult completely fall, not you know, graceful. Yeah, it wasn't a trip. It was a complete full-on fall. It was. It was a full-on fall. That, that it was the kind of fall that kept on giving. Like when I first fell... It was my hands and knee that were bleeding and scuffed. I was like, wow, that really hurt. And then the next day it was my knee, like my muscles of my knee. And then the next day it was I tweaked, I hurt my foot. When I fell, I twisted it. Anyway, I did appreciate that my laughably simple of to walk. I walked for a long time after that. Uh But I genuinely believe it helped keep things loosened up. And I think it helped me heal faster. Yeah because of the being able to a body and we're meant to be in motion if we get too solid too sedentary right things things don't work well and a streak has helped me in times in the past where i think i would have talked myself out of going yeah um, because i wasn't feeling up to it so as we look at this i i just want to suggest out there if you're having a tough time sleeping or something like that set a streak i mean set a streak to go on a walk beforehand this one even says take a bath Mm-hmm. You know, set a streak and see if that helps out. Even I, I even print out another article says end your day with stretches for a better night's sleep. I mean, you I can even set too. a streak around that, you to know, do at least before. one stretch before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of studies out there. The key here, though, is the consistency. And I believe that's what you and I have experienced. And one of the things that I've experienced since COVID is consistency of the schedule has helped me to get better sleep and feel better during the day, to be more productive during the day. I think there's some times where we think that if we don't sleep at all, we're going to be even more productive. And in actuality, it's just not true. Right. And so getting better sleep, that's uh, that's that's your streaking moment right there. First, Anything else you want to add? Just that I love that in talking about sleep, I think last time we had talked a little bit about um, 
because we had talked about having an argument and and the thing that we've heard that married couples shouldn't let the sun set on their arguments. Yes. And we and in the last one we're like, you know what? Sometimes the sun needs to set and you need to go to sleep because the <laughs> argument is because you're tired. Right. And and so I love this that having some things in place. Um, I know I have a couple streaks that I do pretty consistently at night before I go to bed that help me to kind of calm down and relax. Yeah, exactly. And, and having streaks that help with that. Is and huge. children that interrupt all the time are part of it. I mean, if you've just had a baby, you're not getting great sleep. No, you're not. You're not. I mean, let's you just can, own you, that. Let's just own that right out. I mean, there's, there is the ideal and what it is that you want to do. However, I think what you can do to set a, in setting a streak be able to, and not to belabor this point, we've been on it a lot, but setting a streak allows you to give yourself permission to do the things that will help you get the sleep that you need and relax. Yep. In those different times and seasons and different scenarios. So I thought about this next one. I thought about you quite a bit. And this one is quite quantra, quantra, controversial. It's, it's uh, been controversial, but as I read it, I just, I thought about you, Jamie. Because Great. yeah, and the controversial. Re- I controversial. Thought about I thought you, about Jamie. you. Now the reason why I thought about you is because um, let's let's just let's just set the stage. Let me just set the stage for this one a little bit. So that the title of the article that I read here is "Let It Go" with a question mark. You know, let it go, let it go. And she's asking, should you let it go? But the, let it go. Disney princess culture isn't toxic. Study finds. Now, in our day and age of gender roles and diversity and non-gender roles and non-diversity and all the different things that are going on about gender right now, this one caught my eye, but not for the reasons that, I I mean, as far as the whole concepts of gender and gender diversity and diverse roles and so forth, that's not what what I wanted to talk about. Okay. What I what as I read this, and I'm not going to read this whole thing, but as I read this particular article, there was a study that was done that asked the question, is it detrimental to girls to watch Disney princess movies in the sense that it limits them and it confines particular roles to them that are based on past themes and past roles, like doing dishes is for women, you know, right. something like that. Or the leave the sewing to the women is one of the things that it quotes in here that a Disney movie says. Yes. Okay, I have to tell you this, even though I don't have the material behind it. But I just went to um, a little retreat with, with two of my friends uh-huh. and um, to celebrate her 50th birthday. And because they came to visit me and just have fun with me. But, hi, friends. Hi, friends. But one of the, one of the friends gave the other friend. <laughs> one say, friend gave another friend. Gave her a book that was all the things that were interesting in the year that she was born oh wow and so and i think she was born 1970 or 1971 it was 1971 so this book had all of these cool things that were um involved in 1971 or cool in 1970 so we had so much fun kind of going through the book and looking at different things but there was this one part that was instructions it was an instruction booklet that was included in a sewing machine and it had some serious gender role issues. Really? Are you <laughs> It was serious? interesting to read it, but just the way that the roles were very defined um, and the things that, you know how sometimes you can go back and be like, is this for real? Did people really say that? Because you could never say that now. Never say what it says in there now yeah, today. Yeah, and so it talked about, um, and I was surprised that it was from 1971 because it seemed more like the Leave it to Beaver age or time period, you know, like the right. 1950s, 1960s right. time frame. But it talked about all of these things that women needed to do in order to be calm while they were sewing. Um, and so it talked about how important that it was that your house be tidy and 
ready to go so that it wasn't a distraction while you were sewing. And it talked about how important it was that you be dressed so that if people stopped by, you weren't embarrassed while you were sewing, that you weren't dressed, you know, all nice. And You are to, kidding no, me. No, it was, it was extensive, but we had quite the chuckle oh, over I'm it. Sure. Mostly just because we're like, you just, it's <laughs> not the way that we are anymore okay. at all. Wow. Okay. So as I read this study, I thought about you because when we first got married, we both decided that we wanted to have children. Yes. And we knew we wanted to have a big family. Right. So seven children, probably not seven children. I think we were thinking a few less than that. <laughs> I can't remember. I feel like our families tease, like my mom teases us that we wanted 12, but I don't ever yeah, remember that. I don't remember talking 12. That's but a, that's a. We do. And to those, out, to those of our streakers out there who have 12, good on you. <laughs> you know, and those of our streakers out there who have one or two, good, good on, on you ya. too. Because <laughs> having children is in and of itself uh, quite the experience. So. We had been talking, we got married, and we're like, okay, if we're going to have kids, we both agreed that one of us was going to stay home with the yeah. children. Now, would you say at that time, so because we got married in 91. 91. So we got married in 91. Would you say at that time there was um, a little less definition on roles as far as who's going to do what because of your particular gender? I feel like it was definitely being talked about. Yeah. Um, but not as much as it is currently. Right. And we but, both we both had jobs at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we got married, we both had jobs. You were working at a mortgage company. I was, yeah, I was. A I was teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and we both worked lawn service during the summer. Yep. Those that was lovely college jobs. Oh, those are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, and people are like, wait a second. You guys were pondering having children in college and you got married. Yeah, we got married our just after our freshman year of college. We got married our sophomore year of college. Yep, we were young. And we both felt that it was necessary for us to both complete our college degree. So mm-hmm. we both worked for that. When we decided that we were going to have children and have a large family, we said, look, one of us is going to stay home and the other of us is going to bring in the money. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to make this very clear. Bringing in the money is not the career. Someone being, someone, one or the other bringing in income, I don't think defines a career. Or defines hmm. your life choice, you, you, who you are. Right. It's just, you know, one of us is going to, in this world and where we are, you got to provide some cash. Right. No matter have what, a family, right? you got to provide for that. For so, that we d- so we decided at that time that um, you were like, I want to stay home with the kids. Yep. And I was like, fine, I'll get the job. Yep. And you and I have been that ever since. Right. Right. For 30 years. I've decided, or we've decided together, and we've talked about it quite a few different times, but mm-hmm. I've decided to have a job and to bring in the income, and you've decided to have your career be a full-time mother. Full-time mom, stay. Yep. Okay. So the reason why I'm leading up to all this, and hopefully I'm not dragging this out too much, but I wanted to set up the scenario. So you took on a very traditional role mm-hmm. of being a mother. We had our first daughter, Megan, okay? Born in 19... 19- 94. 94. All right. Megan loves Disney princesses. Absolutely loved them. I mean, all the way through. Not loved, loves. loves. Still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, still to this day. She, I, I, I mean, how many Disney princess movies did you watch with her? Well, because we had Megan, then we had Rose, then we had Natalia, all within about 20, 
for they, they were two years and a month apart each one of them yeah and so yeah we watched a lot of disney i don't think there's a disney princess movie we didn't watch several times several times yes. disney books disney, books. disney princess books that were memorized yep I remember all of these. We read a lot of, these, of the books. Yep, right? we did all of them. So in this article, it talks a little bit about, you know, that that because of those traditional roles that are, or or the backward looking roles that are portrayed in Disney princess movies, that that could have an adverse effect. Is that, effect. It, right? Is Is that, that dangerous? Adverse, right? right? Is that dangerous? Did you ever think about that while you were raising our girls? You know what? I didn't. I, I loved Disney. Um, and, and it's not until as things kind of started to go that I did kind of start to notice some different patterns in Disney movies. Um, and it is it is quite fun to go back and look at the really older Disney movies. Um, Snow White or the other day you pulled out, and this isn't Disney, but we pulled out an original Popeye cartoon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it is fascinating to look and see how different things are, how mm-hmm. much things have changed. Mm-hmm. And um, But it was interesting because in this article, I remember... I remember reading the study that first came out that mm-hmm. did because because they did the study and the conclusions at the study at the beginning were, you know what, this could have a potentially dangerous effect on your daughters. You right. need to be aware of this. Right. Exactly. And then and then I think it comes out. This, this is one by and a, says, a doctor coin that originally did the study. And basically the way it's too detailed and complicated to go into how she did the study. But basically a year after watching Disney movies, she went back to see in the, in the original first study to see if this had an, an you know, if they took on these gender, these stereotypical roles that Disney was portraying. And, and she said that they did, they did, and that it could be detrimental. But then a second study went five years later and, and they now said, these kids are five years older. Right. And she said that the, that the study was not conclusive that it had made. In fact, it, you couldn't, it, it wasn't saying that, oh, they have more gender biases Right. From watching these Disney right. movies. So as you raised our girls and as we raised them together, you know, some of the things in our household, would you say that you and I had specific gender roles? Yes. And what were, they? I mean, what would you say? Well, just like you had said, I mean, gender roles, I guess that it would be classified traditionally in the sense that I stayed home and you went to work. So that gender role. But, but as but far actually as in, in the our house, home, yeah, in our home. No, I don't feel like, because I do feel like I grew up in a home that was more, and probably most of us did, grew up in a home that did have those gender roles more defined. So in other words, you know, how many of the dads helped with dishes kind of thing. And I do feel like that our home did not have that. There wasn't a, it's the, you know, it's a woman's job to do this and it's a man's job to do this. We shared those roles and those responsibilities equally, whether that I was, was washing the dishes, disciplining the children disciplining the or children, loving the children. Washing the dishes. Yes, you got up just as much with them when they were sick as I did. I just everyone to know and out there right now, I sewed hems in pants. You did. You didn't. I know. You sewed <laughs> hems in pants and buttons on shirts, ironed. You taught our boys and our girls how to iron. You taught our boys and our girls how to iron. You taught me a little bit how to iron. <laughs> I remember that. So just these, I, I and I guess I loved that. It's, and that's the thing that I wanted, that I kind of took away from this article, is the thing that I felt was the most important as 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 we thought about this different thing is that the communication that you have as a family, yeah, the communication of recognizing that we can take on specific roles. I mean, as a family, that's part of what you do whether those be different roles in a lot of different ways. Like we have, I depend on some of our children to be the lighthearted people and crack the joke to kind of loosen the tension because 
that's something that they're good at and interested in and they kind of do that for our family. They have different roles within the family that help us function together as a whole family. But the communication and talking about things is important and recognizing that we are all equal parts of this family, that there isn't I'm important and you're not because I have this role and you don't at this time, but that we are all working together to support the family in those different roles and each of those roles has validity and that those roles can change. That's the other thing that can happen is what may be working at a certain time in life dramatic things or non-dramatic things can happen and those roles can change whether out of desire or out of necessity and and as you've raised your children in communicating that can make those transitions easier too to recognize oh okay mom and dad can do a lot of different roles and so can I yeah there's not one thing that's only for girls and other things that are only for boys the other thing that was interesting that I thought about this as we were talking about this is that I've had a lot of discussions with our boys about the superhero movies and so it's not just gender roles in in disney movies with girls but i've had a lot of opportunity to talk to our boys because i love the marvel the marvel movies and they're kind of i mean now it's a whole universe the marvel universe it's a thing and um i've had the opportunity to talk to our boys a lot about violence i mean sometimes there's violence in these movies that you're like that's that if that really happened those people would be deeply injured like that's not you don't emotionally, just, psychologically, physically, physically. You don't just I mean, get up and walk away and walk from, from this stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then also sometimes this feeling that when you've been wronged by someone, and I find this a lot in movies that are more maybe appealing to little boys sometimes, is this feeling and that when you've been wronged, you can physically make that wrong feel better by getting revenge by having revenge on that person. And sometimes even the good guy gets the revenge and everything's better. And just the opportunity to talk to him about these things really have long-term consequences when we look at them. So the thing that I took away from these articles was communicating with our children, looking at these things and, and really communicating what you see and what you don't see and how would this really affect someone. And, and in that communication, Mm-hmm. Then you, then you, I mean, it opens up the opportunity to speak about all kinds of things. Right. What I, um, as, as you talked through that and as I thought about different things, I, so speaking of streaking and consistency, what interested me about this article is I thought about you and I and what we had chosen to do and how our girls watch Disney princess movies. Like, I, I mean, all of them. You never made a point, and I never made a point of specifically pointing out that's wrong, that's wrong. You know, you can do better than that. You don't have to, you know, consign yourself to finding Prince Charming or to being saved by someone. We we never never really did. did. I probably did point out sometimes that most people don't break into song. But although I have met people who do, who do, then I'm like, okay, there are people out there that when a problem hits, they break break into into a song. song. Absolutely, people don't. But I do remember making light of that. But but for the for all intents and purposes, you did not point out anything about gender at all while watching these shows. No. And obviously, I'm going to a point on this, but let me talk about streaking for just a second before I get to that point. The streaking thing that I looked at, and that is to your point as far as communication is concerned, every week, we would have at least one family dinner together. Yeah. It may have not been every single night. We did a lot. I mean, there was a lot of times. And in those family dinners, 
we would have we would bring up subjects and discuss them at length. We would read family scriptures and then we would discuss at length. And sometimes it would be from the scriptures that we read. Mm -hmm. We would have discussions. Sometimes it'd be the discussions that we, something that came across in the day that was interesting at that particular point in time, be it political, be it spiritual, be it physical, be it academic, any of those topics came up and were completely available for conversation at the table and anyone could say anything at the table. Would you say that that's that's, that's true? Yes, and except I, for the disrespecting mom, because that's an actual rule that's in an the actual house. Rule, so yeah. they couldn't say anything in <laughs> the sense that if it was disrespectful. But they had the ability to contribute equally to the conversation. Right. I believe that those dinnertime conversations were paramount in us being able to communicate, being able to communicate as a family what is the opportunities that we have, and that we do not have to conform to whatever the world is telling us to conform to right whatever other people are saying because for example right now there's a lot of pressure i believe on you as a woman to go out and start working Mm -hmm. do you feel that that's that that's true yeah and i think that i think that what we've achieved as women the opportunity to be able to go out and provide for a family or to pursue interests that we have is absolutely paramount important that we've been able to accomplish so much of that right and i'm not saying we're perfect at it and that there's not still room but we have come a long way as a society in the way that we treat and respect women (coughs) hold on i have to get a drink she's getting a drink of water while she's getting the drink of water i know you've got a point to say i just i'm going to interject here real quickly (laughs) As we talk about this particular area, the thing that I love too, she's, I'm losing her. I'm losing her. There is a cough button. It's way over there. (laughs) So are you ready? Or do you you need a little bit more? I'm almost there. I'm almost there. The thing that I look at is that I feel it's as equally as important for any one of us to choose whatever it is we want to do. And that's why I go back to the beginning of when you and I, I would have gladly stayed home if you were the one that wanted to go out and to earn the money for the family. We chose our career choice in such a way that it wasn't that way. You had a career. I had a career. We both have careers. And I think that's what I wanted to get to is being a professional isn't about the money that you're making. It's about the thing that you're doing repeatedly and who you're becoming. And so as you look at streaking who you want to be professionally. If you want to be a professional mother, there's things that you're going to do on a regular basis to become a professional mother. Now, can you be a professional mother and a professional lawyer or a professional um, sales representative? Absolutely. Just like I can be a professional father as well as a professional lawyer or a professional sales uh, or a professional academic or you know whatever. I can keep going on and on with all the different things. But the the professional part of it is what you choose to do to be that person. Right. And the way that, and the freedom to be able to do that. That's what I was going to say. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this one. Holy cow. The ability for, I, I think as I look at, I think the point that you were making as we were going forward and looking at our children is that without specifically pointing out things in, in, in the Disney movies, that our children grew up without having these gender biases. Well, and let me get to that. Don't don't steal that one just yet because I want to get there. 
I'm right there with you. In other words, without you making a direct reference to, because that's one of the things that I see, in, especially in this article that was written here. And by the way, this article is out of the Wall Street Journal. Um, and it's uh, the, the journalist is Julie Jargon, and she writes for the Wall Street Journal's tech section, and she often writes a, a, you know, around these particular areas. But what she quotes is a study or, or a place where, um, you know, th- that, uh, what was it? I just got to read this, this last one here. It's, uh, just a second, I'm finding it. Oh, my daughters, their mom... Dr. Coyne's study gives parents like Natalie Thomas. Okay, this is, this is, hold on, this is, this is it right here. Eve Rodisky, author of The Fair Play, a book about how married couples can balance domestic duties, said Disney princess movies have given her a natural way to talk about gender stereotypes with her two sons, ages 10 and 12, as well as with her four-year-old daughter. Once, while watching Cinderella, her younger son ran to get her. There's a gender emergency, he screamed. One of the female mice working on Cinderella's dress had told a male mouse to leave the sewing to the women. The boy felt this was sexist. Daniel Friedman, co-CEO of an employee wellness company, said he and his wife have pointed out dated portrayals of women while watching Disney princess movies with their five-year-old daughter and have given her books on real-life female pioneers, including Harriet Tubman and Amelia Earhart. His older daughter had never really, uh, didn't really ever have Disney princess fever is what it says. Quote, my daughters see their mom who has a successful career as a lawyer and they see how we share domestic responsibilities 50-50, Mr. Friedman said. When my girls talk about their future, they talk about what careers they'll have, not how a prince will rescue them from a castle. Dr. Coyne's study gives parents like Natalie Thomas hope that their children can enjoy princess films without buying into the fairy tale. Ms. Thomas, a freelance water writer in New Jersey, was staunchly anti-princess when she had her first child, a girl who's now eight. She bought her tool sets instead of tutus and steered her to shows like Dora the Explorer. But her daughter gravitated to princesses from time to time, and Ms. Thomas loosened her rules a bit. She watched some of the classic Disney films with her, careful to point out any antiquated messages. Quote, the study makes me feel better about the whole situation, Ms. Thomas said. There's so much more representation in the media for what it means to look like and be a girl now. I think you can pepper in a Disney princess here and there. Okay. All right, go ahead. Are you ready now? I think I can speak now. (laughs) Okay. So setting opinion aside, here's what I loved about what you read. One, involved parents. Two, let me show you some books as well that about these women that are are real life women so being able to talk about real people and read books together the last one where the mom sat down and watched the movie with her and was able to open up discussion about it these are all really good important things and as we do those things as a family moms and dads and working together as families and grandparents and we're able to open these lines of communication and be able to discuss the things that are really happening and and that are important. Absolutely. And the reason I thought about this is because without being specifically pointing out exactly everything that may have been wrong in a Disney movie, you raised four daughters, one of who is studying to be a lawyer, one of who has studied and has a degree in art mm-hmm. and is also an a mom. And a mom. One who is studying to be a teacher 
and looking at it. And the fourth is a ballerina. And still deciding what she wants to do, but she's all over the place. She's super excited about all of the options. So I guess what the reason the reason why I bring that up and why I make a deliberate point is to to sustain exactly what you were saying. And that is it's the communication that's important. It is it's the idea our children grew up in a very traditional household. Mm-hmm. And yet they are exploring all the career choices. They do not feel, our girls don't feel limited in what it is that they can do because you and I chose traditional roles. Exactly. And I think a huge part of what we've done together and that I honestly um, at some point credit your mom with was helping me at an early age as a mom to recognize each of my children as individuals and that they have likes, they have dislikes, they have things that they're going to like that I don't understand why they like, and they're going to not like some of the things that I think, how can you not like this? But to be able to explore them as individuals and allow them the freedom to think about all the different things that they do want to do. I remember um, one time our son was talking about wanting to be a YouTuber, that he wanted to grow up and be a YouTuber, and that's how he was going to make a lot of money. And this was several years ago before it was as big of a thing as it is now. And at the first beginning of it, I was like, that's a dumb idea. You're not going to grow up and play games on YouTube and have people watch you. You're not going to make money that way. <laughs> but I remember at one point There's looking... There's multi-millionaires that exactly, have, have that done their career. Just that, that, isn't it? And that was the part where I was just thinking, okay, you know what? He wants to explore this. I think as parents, we have the opportunity to support our children in exploring new things. And some of them will stick and a lot of them probably won't. But the opportunity to explore the ideas with them is really, it's its a treasure and a gift. And I think a parental responsibility to allow them to think about all of those things. Mm-hmm. As we look at, you know, considering communicating with your children and what it is that they're doing, talking all about everything that they can become. I think whether boy or girl, the great part about where we, the the, the age of history in which we're in right now is... Career choices are open across the board. And I guess one of the things what we what I don't want to do is condemn someone because of their career choice. And here's specifically exactly. what I mean by that. Don't don't condemn someone because they choose to become a mother. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they choose to do full time. Equally, don't condemn someone because they choose to be a father and they choose to do that full time. Or don't condemn someone because they choose to be, for example, our daughter, a lawyer and a mother, mm-hmm. or a, a lawyer and a father. It's the opportunity to really build and lift every single person that's out there rather than sitting there and condemning one choice over the other. I agree. And I think what what I feel like you're saying is in our pursuit to continue to do things better, to not demonize each other, to allow each other the opportunity to thrive in the roles that we choose. Right. So that was good. Your third article. Oh, was that, I, I thought you had more to say. Nope, that was it. <laughs> You're like, and that's I'm done. all I'm going to say that's about all, that. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying anymore. Well, I don't think we're getting we're getting on time here. Should we go into the third article, or should go we quick. wait for it the last time? Well, I don't know. This is one that we're going to get into. I mean, this is this is one I feel pretty passionate about. All right. So we hold as off far and as your child's it. first smartphone, a guide to the proper age, phone type, and parental controls. A guide to the proper age. The thing that here's the thing, just right out of the shoot, I'm like, look, like you're some authoritarian to tell me when the our child should have it. Now, in saying that, 
Why are you laughing at me? Because I love it when you get this way. Well, when I get Who are you to tell me (laughs) when the right age is? I think who are you to tell anyone? Now, you can make a suggestion. You can say, you know what? Here's some thoughts that you might want to consider. And part of this right here is your file in your child's first smartphone and the proper age phone type and parental controls is it relates a lot to what you were saying in the regards to every child is different. Yep. There's an opportunity So we'll start there. with that next time. <laughs> well, should we? Yep. Let's start with that one because I've All got right. things to say about well, that. You, oh, you do, do you? Mm-hmm. Well, and another one that we're going to do too that I'd like to get into is uh, why laughing is great for the brain. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, don't you love that? Smartphones and laughing. Smartphones and laughing, and we'll do a lot of it. Well, I am Jeff. And I'm Jamie. And we are the Jeff and Jamie Show, powered by streaking. If you don't know anything about streaking, look it up. It's on Amazon. It's a book. And we uh, have just a great time doing streaking. We love it. <laughs> so, look it We're up. streaking all the time. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, please do so at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y, at streakingmastery.com. Or Jamie, J-A-M-I, at streakingmastery.com. And until we talk again, keep streaking. It's a little